Good morning. Great to see you. This is a fantastic crowd. Way to go. Awesome. You look amazing. Happy Easter. So glad that you're here. I should have mentioned there in the, down here in the splash zone, you know, we should have been handing out garbage bags or ponchos or something down here, but um, that we're going to, there will be an opportunity later in the service for others to be baptized, and uh, that'll be exciting, and I, there will be people who will just get up and be baptized. Anyhow, that's coming. That'll be fun, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, you could be anywhere this morning doing anything. We're so glad that you chose to be here with us, and we truly appreciate it, and I mean that sincerely. We're honored that you're here, and we hope that you have such a great experience here this morning that you'll uh, come back and uh, try for another Sunday. Come back and visit us again. We would love to have you. We're just a bunch of pe normal people like you. Uh, you are normal. Uh, well, we're, we're like you, and if you're weird, we're like you too. And um, we're just doing our best to follow Jesus and do what we think he would want us to do. And as you can see, looking around, we're a very multi-generational church. We're a very uh, multicultural church. We're a very multi-coffee consumptual church. And we like being bold, and we like being clear, and we like being upfront. And so if you like that, uh, you'll have a great experience today. If you're going to believe in something, you should really, really, really believe it. That's what I believe. And not, you know, kind of sort of, you know, almost half-ish kind of believe it. Like really, really believe it. And uh, so we invite people to, to take a stand for Jesus in, in front of uh, hundreds and hundreds of people. We're, we're, we'll do that this morning. Uh, we invite people to come forward for spontaneous baptisms. That's bold and clear, and, and we love doing that. That'll happen again this morning. And all over this room this morning, this room is filled with hundreds of, of stories, testimonies of incredible life change, things that God has done in their lives, way that, ways that God has transformed their lives. And if we could tell the stories this morning, you would see that, that God is very active in our church and in people's lives. Sticking with the theme of bold and clear, uh, let me tell you up front where we're going here. Uh, and I'm going to do my best in the next 30 minutes or so to help us all learn more about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Easter is all about, the resurrection and Cadbury cream egg McFlurries. And of which I haven't had one yet. What is, I, uh, that's, oh, they're almost, okay, that'll happen right after church. Okay. We all have questions and, and doubts. It's, that's very normal to have questions and doubts. But you don't need to have all of your questions answered before you can believe in something. If that were true, you would never fly or eat donairs. You, you just trust. You know, this, this stuff's good for me. And, and, and you do it. So you don't need to have all of your questions answered. Faith is not the absence of questions. Faith is believing that what we do know points towards a loving God who rose his son Jesus from the dead. Now, space of time between when something happened and when, and when you're studying that event doesn't make it less true. When you were in high school studying history, you weren't, your teacher didn't warn you that the things that you were studying were becoming less and less true all the time. That, that's not the way that it happened. They didn't say, you know, it was true, but the further that away we get from the events, it's, it's becoming less and less true. That's not the way that they taught. You don't believe in your, grand, your great-grandparents uh, less just because you can't see them. 
And literally billions of people around the, the planet today believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 2,000 years after that event happened, people are still believing. New people are coming to, to faith in Jesus by the thousands, literally every day. So the resurrection of Jesus isn't becoming less true. In fact, if, if anything, we're learning more and more about the resurrection all the time. So why do we believe? Why do people believe? Uh, great question. I'm glad you asked. You always ask the best questions. We believe because people like Matthew, who was an eyewitness to the events, he believed. People like Mark, who was, Mark was able to live with, with eyewitnesses and heard their stories, and he believed it. Uh, people like Luke, when Luke started to write, he told us that he investigated everything thoroughly, all of those events, and Luke believed it. John, who was another eyewitness to it all, John believed it. Peter was a, a, a key eyewitness. who He wrote about the experiences that he had with Jesus. And probably one of the, one of the doozies of them all is a guy named, named James. James is the brother of Jesus, and he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, just think for a minute this morning about how astounding that is. What would it take for your siblings to believe that you are God. James is the brother of Jesus, and he believed that his brother was God's only son risen from the dead. Well, I mean, what would it take? You would have to attend that person's funeral and know for certain, like poke them, and know for certain that they are D-E-A-D and go to the burial and watch the grave be sealed, and then three days later, you would have to see that person in person and talk to them and touch them and watch them eat food without it just falling on the ground. And, you'd, and then you would, you would believe it. At a time when it was most dangerous to declare yourself as a follower of Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus, he emerges after the resurrection. He emerges as a key leader in the church in Jerusalem. He's all in with his brother Jesus. Why? Because he saw his brother after the resurrection. Another guy, the apostle Paul, he hated Christians. Paul chased down and persecuted followers of Jesus, had them thrown in jail for sport. This was his hobby. This was his mission. This is what, this is what Paul did for a good time. And just a few years after the resurrection, like not 100 years or 200 years, like just a few years after the resurrection, Paul, the hater of Christians, has his own radical encounter with Jesus Christ, and he becomes one of those. He becomes one of those little Christ, those, those Christians that he used to chase and hate and persecute. He becomes one because he had such a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, Paul, people like that, they all had their own eyewitness experience with Jesus Christ. And they began to, to write their, their stories down. They, they wrote these things down, and God inspired them and helped them to put their, their thoughts, uh, these, these, these experiences, into written form. And the letters began to circulate. People wanted them, and they, they started to copy them over and over, and, and they started to spread the letters around so that everybody could, could hear these stories and, and believe. And while there were still eyewitnesses alive, the stories of Jesus were circulating, and the stories didn't get, didn't get changed, and they didn't get, uh, the, 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 the movement didn't get shut down because 
there were enough eyewitnesses around at the time to say, yes, I was there. That's exactly how it happened. There were were hundreds of eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. And so they started to gather around those letters. You know, let's let's meet at your house and we're gonna gonna look at Mark's letter. We're gonna study it. We're gonna memorize it. We're gonna gonna talk about it. We're gonna pray over it. We're We're gonna take it in. And then eventually Christianity became legal. And they brought all those letters together, and they, they bound them into the Bible. Now, space of time, remember, space of time from when it happened to when you're studying it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And Christianity never could have possibly emerged out of the first, second, third centuries if it was shot full of holes. It just, it just, wouldn't, have, it just wouldn't have existed. It wouldn't have made it. On Good Friday, a couple of days ago, we were in uh, John's letter, and we were reading John chapter 18, chapter 18. and uh, this morning, we're going to get to the good news. We're going to blow the roof off this place this morning with the good news of the resurrection. It's John chapter 20, and uh, beginning in verse 1, we're going to start with the first nine verses of John chapter 20, where John says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. The other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He stooped stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Now, if you were writing this, and if you were writing in this right in that that first century, and you were writing for believability, you were writing for acceptance, you were writing for for longevity, this is not the way that you would have have written. One of the, the indicators of reliability of this story is the way that the authors write about themselves. If, if you were writing it, you you really would have been tempted to write it a different way. The disciples say nothing to put themselves in a good light in the story. In fact, what they, what, they, what they write into the story is they show us just how faithless, how, 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 how much lack of faith they had. They show us how, how um, shallow and afraid they were. Jesus told them, we know this for, we know from reading uh, previous chapters of, of the text that Jesus told them over and over that he would die that he would rise again on the third day, but they, they just didn't get it. If these guys had any amount of faith, you would think that they would be sitting outside the tomb that morning. They'd be just waiting, you know, just sitting there, waiting for the sun to come up. You'd think that they'd be counting down 10, 9, you know, just, just waiting for that, for that stone to start rolling away. You'd think they'd be getting autographs from the angels taking selfies in the empty tomb. Hashtag told you so. But they're not. They're not there because they didn't believe. 
and they didn't understand. And they want you to know that. They make no attempt to make themselves look good. They say, we, we, we didn't get it. We didn't get it. Mary is the first one to get there. She goes to the tomb while the disciples are knee-knocking behind locked doors, hoping they're not the next ones to be crucified. As Andy Stanley says, nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected no body. Even, even Mary was there to service what she thought was a dead, decaying body. I'm going to throw a picture up of the garden tomb. This is the garden tomb in, um, in Jerusalem, just outside the Damascus gate of the old city of Jerusalem. So that's the garden tomb. Now we're going to throw it to, uh, this is a picture of the skull. This, oh, so this is the same place, the garden tomb and Golgotha. This, this is, they called this the, the place of the skull because as you can see, do you see that? This is yes. Do you see the skull? You do, okay. It's still there today. <laughs> right below it, it's, it's a bus stop today. There's tons of buses there. And okay, well, let's go back to, the, back to the picture of the garden tomb. We know that Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus in a garden tomb. When they excavated this site in 1867, they found uh, an image of a Christian cross above this tomb engraved in the stone. I've been inside this tomb several times. And I, I can take you there. We can go there if you want to go to Israel with us. The entire garden here, it's a beautifully manicured, uh, serene, and peaceful park today. It's, it's gorgeous, gorgeous spot. At the bottom of the tomb entrance, the, right here, you can see this is the gutter where they would roll the stone in the gutter. Can, can you see that? So this large round stone would be rolled across the front here in that, in that track, in that gutter, and it would seal up the tomb. John tells us in chapter 20, verse 1, that when Mary gets here to the garden tomb, when Mary gets to, to where Jesus was buried, the stone is already rolled away. God has an open door policy. The resurrection is an open door. It's an invitation. It, it says, come and see. It's an invitation to come and see for yourself. See what God has done. Look inside. See for yourself that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now, Mary's faith is not a whole lot better than the guys, to be honest. She's, a, she, she's not locked up hiding. At least that's true. And she's not afraid. She's not afraid to go to the tomb. She's not afraid to associate with Jesus, with the crucified Jesus, or, or still loving him. Or, but when she finds an open, empty tomb, she doesn't know what to think. She doesn't know what to think. And we're going to see in the story how Mary and the disciples go from a lack of faith to a total, total, total commitment of faith as Jesus, as the resurrected Jesus is revealed to them. And that's what I'm hoping will happen to many of you this morning. That, that just like Mary and the disciples, you'll go from from not so much faith to total faith in believing in the resurrected Jesus. So Mary goes to find Peter and John, and she doesn't connect the missing body with the predictions that Jesus made about himself. And she says to, to Peter and John, someone took Jesus, and we don't know where they put him. If the authorities had taken the body, 
It would have been very easy for them when, when, when stories about a resurrection happened, it would have been very easy for them to say, no, 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 that's garbage. We have the body. Here's your, here's your crucified uh, king of the Jews. And that, that would have shut the whole thing down. Everybody go home. It's over. But they, they couldn't. The authorities could not present the body because they didn't have the body. Boys being boys, as John is writing this, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, John knows this is going to be scripture, this is going to be captured for all of history. Boys being boys, John thinks it's important that we know that he and Peter raced to the tomb. Does this not sound like a couple of boys? He's, he wants you to know that it was a fair race. We started at the same time, but I, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, easily outran Peter. He wants you to know that. It's in scripture. And John gets there to the empty tomb, and he looks inside, and he sees the grave closed. We also know from this text that obviously one of the angels uh, happened to be a female because John tells us that the burial linens were all folded. <laughs> if the linens were all laying in a corner, piled up, we would have known it was a male angel, you know, like... But yeah, anyhow, okay, I'll get off that point. <laughs> Peter arrives, and uh, John's there first. He's got his feet up saying, what took you so long? And Peter gets there, and John is outside, and Peter motors right inside the empty tomb. And John tells us that when Peter went in, he says, John writes it this way in verse 8. He says, the disciple <coughs> who got there first also went in. So Peter goes in, and then John goes in behind him, and John says, and they believed. Peter and John, he, writing about themselves, he said, we went in, and we saw the grave clothes, and that's when, that's when we believed. Now look at verse 9. Verse 9 of the story, for until then, they still hadn't understood, up until that point, up until they're in the tomb, and they see the, the, the folded linens laying there. Up until that point, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said he must rise from the dead. So what we're reading this morning is firsthand. This is John's own story. He's telling us that, hey, after all we went through with Jesus, the years that we traveled with Jesus, all the, all the miracles that we saw him do, all the teachings that we heard him preach, all the time that we had face-to-face ultra close proximity to Jesus Christ, um, direct access. John wants you to know it wasn't until they looked into the empty tomb. That's when the, that's when the lights came on. That's when they understood for the first time truly the scriptures about Jesus and who he really, really is. This is why Easter is so important this morning. This is your invitation. This is why it's so important that each one of us in this room this morning would look into the empty tomb and believe. And then when you believe, just like the disciples, then when you cross that line of faith and you believe in Jesus Christ, then, just like them, then you start to understand. Then it starts to make sense. Then the scriptures start to, start to have real new meaning to you. But if, if you... If you if you stay, um, if you keep a distance from faith because you don't understand, it's, it's, it's always going to be a challenge to understand. Like the disciples, once they believed, then they said, then we, under, we understood. It started to make sense. 
If you've ever struggled to understand Scripture, you're not alone. James and Peter had problems understanding the things that Jesus was saying about himself. Okay, more of the story. Uh, now we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels. Well, I, I, I believe one of them had to be a lady. One sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Peter and John believed before they saw the resurrected Jesus. The grave clothes were enough for them. Folded grave clothes were enough evidence for them. Mary gets, she gets a different experience. She gets angels in, in her encounter, and she gets Jesus himself. Now, Mary's initial response, distraught weeping, is the right response if God is dead. If you think God is dead, then distraught weeping is the right response because if Jesus is dead, there is no hope. And we all may as well throw our hands up in despair. But if he's alive, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Jesus is there. He's standing with her. And she doesn't recognize God at first. She doesn't, it's just, it doesn't click right away. And God is here this morning. The very presence of, of Jesus. God is here in this room this morning. And he's speaking to many people who are here in this room right now. And my, my encouragement is don't miss him. Don't, if, you, if you sense the presence of God, don't, don't miss him. Recognize him. She thinks that Jesus is the gardener. Well, he, sort of. He created it all. And he asked her, Mary, who are you looking for? And that question is loaded with meaning because, because we're all looking for something, aren't we? We're, we're, we're born uh, searching. There's something missing in our lives, something that, that we know is missing, something that completes us. And we're looking to, to fill a void in our lives that only God can fill. And we try to fill it with, with all sorts of things, you know, fill it with people or fill it with relationships. Uh, but those people can never take the ultimate place of God in our lives. We try to work harder. Maybe, maybe I need a different job. Maybe that'll make me happy. Maybe it's success. Maybe if I just keep climbing ladders, maybe if I get that position. Maybe you've all thought this one. Maybe if that person reported to me. Maybe if I was the boss, you know, that would be ultimate, ultimate peace, ultimate meaning. We, we might try material things. If I could just get a bigger house or a newer car or take that trip. And Jesus wants Mary to simply say who she's looking for, that, that she's looking for Jesus. He says, who are you looking for? I asked you that question this morning. Church, who are you looking for? What are you looking for? And Jesus just wants Mary to say, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. It's loaded with meaning. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And in verse 16, Jesus speaks her name, Mary. And she instantly goes from anguish and despair to astonishment and delight. You can go from no faith to knowing faith when Jesus speaks your name. All right, we're going to pick it up again in verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors, chickens, Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So Jesus walks through. The resurrected Jesus walks through their locked door, and the first thing he, he brings, the first thing that he speaks to them is peace. I love it. Think about this this morning. Maybe you came into church this morning a little reluctantly. Maybe you came in with your doors locked. Maybe they're still locked. <laughs> you're locked right up tight, and you're thinking, oh, I'll be glad when this is over. Maybe you're just here to make someone else happy. You'd rather be bathing a cat or chewing on tinfoil. And, and you've been stacking, so, you know, so far in your life, you've just been, you've been stacking bricks and keeping God out and locking doors. And none of that matters because if God wants to get into your life this morning, he doesn't need the keys. He'll just walk in. He'll just walk in. He can just show up right now. And when he comes, the first thing that he'll speak into your life is peace. And, and so Jesus walks into the room and he says, peace. Be with you, and he shows them his scars. Men love looking at scars, like, oh, 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 that's a good one. Oh, that's, oh, man. You know, guys love looking at scars. John says that they were filled with joy. God's presence brings peace, and it brings joy. I've never understood cranky Christians. It's an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. It just doesn't make sense to me. Watch the progression, gang, of what happens in the story. You have the presence of Jesus. You have evidence of Jesus. You have peace and then joy. And he breathes the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them about forgiveness. Presence, evidence, peace, joy, Holy Spirit, forgiveness. Watch that progression. When you recognize that Jesus is in the room, and it's happening right now here this morning. When you recognize that Jesus is in the room, And you accept the evidence that he really is God's son. And you invite him into your life. He will bring peace and joy. And then he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. You don't have to do this deal on your own. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he'll forgive you. You'll experience forgiveness on a level like never before. He'll forgive you. And he'll send you out with the power to forgive others. There's the progression in this story. Presence, evidence, peace, joy, Holy Spirit, forgiveness. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiveness has more power to change the world than any weapon of war that has ever been created. 
When your, when your neighbor sends you a bomb, build them a school. When they bomb you back, build them a hospital. Forgiveness can change the world. John tells us about Thomas. Thomas wasn't at the disciples' lock-in. He missed that meeting. They tell him that they've seen Jesus. Thomas is not buying it. He's not going to believe unless he sees the, the, the pierced nail wounds for himself, unless he puts his hand on Jesus' side where the Roman soldiers pierced Jesus' side to, to, to release his fluids and to make sure that he was truly dead. And as Thomas has his encounter with Jesus, he finally, he finally gets his encounter and as Thomas reaches out to touch Jesus, Jesus reaches out to touch Thomas, and he treats him with mercy and grace, and he says to Thomas, Thomas, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Don't be faithless any longer. Just believe. Believe like the others. And Thomas crosses over. He crosses the line of faith, and, and, and he, over to a new understanding of who Jesus is. In the first words out of Thomas's mouth, when he was like, this, it's you, it's really, really you. The first words out of his mouth are, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. If you're going to follow someone as Lord and God, follow the guy who predicted his own death and rose from the dead three days later. He's worthy. He's worthy of being followed. He's worthy of your praise. One more thing and then we'll land the plane. Ignore the people behind me. One more thing, we'll land the plane uh, verse 29, this is, this is incredible. This is after Thomas meets Jesus. And Jesus told him, to, speaking to Thomas, he says, You believe because you have seen me. I want you to see this this morning. Jesus says to Thomas, You believe. You saw my hands, saw my scars, you touched my side. You believe because you've seen me. But watch this. Blessed are those at Buncton Wesleyan Church, Easter Sunday morning, 2016. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Jesus says, it's one thing for you guys who can touch me and feel me and go, oh, that's, a, that's an awesome scar. It's one thing for you guys to believe. But Jesus says, think about how blessed those people are going to be who, who believe without seeing. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing. 2,000 years after the fact, here we are believing in Jesus. For them, for them who were the first ones to see him, for them, believing was seeing. For us, seeing is believing. Seeing is, or I back, I said that wrong. I did, you caught me. I'm glad you're awake, Mary Lynn. Back that up. For them, seeing was believing. For us, believing is seeing. Does that, does that make sense? Is that better? All right, okay, there you go. That's the promise of Easter. I mentioned earlier that we're bold, we're clear, and we're up front. And so here's what we're going to, this is, this is how the service is going to unfold here in the next few minutes. Um, we're going we're gonna to stay uh, seated for just for, for just for a moment while Mark and the band lead us in this song, Come As You Are. I mean, feel free to sing and all that. But I'm going to ask you to stay seated because what I'm going to do is we're going to sing a verse and a chorus. And I'm going to come back out here to the front and give an invitation for people to, to accept and believe in Jesus Christ this morning. And, and, and you're, you, it is, it's a step of faith because what you're, what you're believing is that if I, if I accept this, if I take this step, then, 
then I'll start to see. It's just like that happened to the disciples. They, 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 they un- started to understand the scriptures. It all made sense after they believed that Jesus really was risen from the dead. So we're going to sing, and I'm going to come back out, and then I'm going to ask, is there anybody here this morning? And I'm, the, I'm just going to ask you to, if, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. That'll be, that'll be the invitation this morning, for you to raise your hand and say, yes, this morning is my day. I want to accept and believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then, then I think after that we will stand, and uh, we're going to sing a little bit more of the song. And then I'm going to come back again and say, is there anyone here this morning who would like to be baptized? And, and then if you would like to be baptized, if you've accepted Christ and you want to be baptized, uh, there's two different things you can do. You can go backstage with Pastor Mike and his team. and They've got changing rooms and clothes, and they'll get you all fixed up. Uh, or, or you can just come down front in your the way you came dressed this morning, we'll baptize you like that. You will get wet. And we'll give you a towel, and, uh, and you can slosh your way home uh, to the glory of God. Are we good? Let me pray with us this morning. Lord, uh, Jesus, you're here. <laughs> you are so, so totally here and with us right now. And God, I know that you're speaking names all over this congregation this morning, and you're, you're asking people to trust you, to believe in you. And I, it's a big deal. I get that. It's the biggest decision we'll ever make in our lives. Who will I serve? Who will be Lord in my life? Who can, who can I trust with every area of my life? And so, God, I pray that you would break through our locked doors, that you would just walk right in to our hearts and our lives and, and, and help people all over this congregation this morning to see clearly who you are. And so, God, that's our prayer, that you would, that you would just bring a, a spirit of freedom in this place in the next few minutes, that Easter Sunday morning, many would be able to respond to you and say, Jesus, I, I come into my life, I give you my life, uh, I'll follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. So be with us now as we sing and as we surrender. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.